Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we're going to be in a passage from verse 46 to 56. And probably many of your Bibles, there's a a two-word title of that passage called Mary's Song. I want you to think about that for just a minute. Uh, Just earlier, one of the first worship songs that we sang was Joy to the World. And I'm just trying to look back, I'm trying to think back, and I look at the lights on these trees, I look at the, the lights all over this this sanctuary, and I think about the light of the world that came to us. Well, just before the light of the world came to us, just before Emmanuel was born, Mary sang a song. And in my mind, I believe she was one of the first to sing joy to the world. You're going to see the joy that Mary shared to her God and for her God and with the world through her song. As a matter of fact, this is the third week of this series that I call The Christmas Story. And I've been asking you the same question uh, week after week after week, and I'm going to ask it to you again this morning. And guess what? Over the next couple of Sundays, I'm going to ask you this same question again. I think we need to know this question. I think we need to know how to answer this question when we think about Christmas. What does the Christmas story mean to my faith today? Many of us have grown up. On the Christmas story, we, we've had our parents read it to us. We've had our grandparents read it to us. You, you sometimes have your pastor read it to you. Sunday school teachers, they read you the same passage of the Scripture every year, over and over and over again. But I want to come back to this question. What does the Christmas story mean to my faith right here, right now? I've given you a couple of answers to this question up to this point. And I just want to refer to those answers. Number one, the Christmas story is a firm foundation for my faith that will be tested in this life. That's what the Christmas story means to me right now. See, I can look back in the pages of Scripture and I can look at Zechariah, a man who had faith, a man who was serving God, but his faith was tested. His faith was tested by God. And if you'll remember, I've told you this before, Dr. Tony Evans always says, a faith that can't be tested is a faith that can't be trusted. And so what I learned in the story of Zechariah, what I learned from Zechariah's faith, is that God is going to test my faith too, today, right here, right now. And there are going to be times when I find out that my faith ain't as strong as I think it is. Sometimes my faith um, is very weak. And I need help, and God shows me that. God will be with me even when I fail, even when I fall. Why? Because He's going to use anything and everything in my life to strengthen me. He's going to use anything and everything in my life to make me who He wants me to be. And so we, we can answer that question, what does the Christmas story mean to my faith today? It means that I can have a firm foundation for the faith that God has given me by grace, and I know it's going to be tested. Uh, another answer that I gave you, and I gave you this answer last week as we looked at Mary and we looked at Elizabeth. The Christmas story is also a firm foundation for my faith that is built on my trust in God and my surrender to God because of His amazing grace to me, especially when we look at the life of Mary. Mary was a young girl. She was a virgin. She was engaged to be married, not yet married. And the angel comes to her and tells her that You are going to bear the Son of God. You are going to have a child, and He will be the Son of the Most High. And if you'll remember, right, He said, Mary, you're highly favored. God has shown you favor. And what that means is, is that God had given her grace. 
And so even though she was highly favored, and even though God was giving her grace, she didn't understand. Now, now don't miss this. She didn't doubt God's plan. She just didn't understand it. But if you'll remember, what did Mary say to the angel? She said, let it be done to me. Let it be done to me according to God. I am his servant. And so she trusted in God, and she surrendered to God because of that amazing grace, that high favor that God showed her. I love listening to Pastor Craig Groeschel. A lot of times when I'm running, I'll listen to podcasts, and I listen to preachers preaching. Pastor Craig Groeschel of Life Church is one of those preachers that I listen to. And in one of his recent sermons, this is what he said. And I thought about, I thought about Mary. Listen to what he said. He said, you don't have to understand the plan of God to trust the purpose of God. That is really good. You don't have to understand the plan of God to trust the purpose of God. Because here's the truth. I want to share with you just a few, just a few scriptures. See, Pastor Groeschel went on to say that his disappointments, his lack of understanding, other people's opinions would never stop the purpose of God in his life. And I want, to, I want to share some scriptures with you that I believe show us that truth. Number one, Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in a purpose heart, in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Philippians 2, 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. And then I love this one. I've shared it with you before, and I'll share it with you again. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. So even though Mary could not understand how she would be pregnant when she was engaged and had not yet consummated marriage with the man who was going to be her husband, even though she couldn't comprehend it, even though she couldn't fully understand it, you know what she did? She accepted it. She accepted it because she knew that it was God's purpose for her life and it was God's purpose for the world. She accepted it. She trusted in God. She surrendered to God. And so what we're going to see today in Mary's song, what we're going to see in this passage is another truth about the Christmas story. What does the Christmas story mean to my faith today? You ready? I'm going to go ahead and give you the main point before I even read the Scripture. right? Because I want you to think about this. The Christmas story is also a firm foundation for my faith that results in my praise being poured out to God alone. Do you know that that is who you were created to be? You were created to be a vessel of praise to God and for God, no one and nothing else. That's who God created you to be. You belong to Him. You are created in His image. He breathed the breath of life into you. You are God's special possession. You are His chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. And your purpose in this life is to give Him and bring Him praise. And I believe we'll see that. In Mary today, I believe we'll see that in her song. Even though she was a recipient of God's favor, God's grace, she was not perfect. And Mary was not the one to be praised. Mary was not the one to be worshipped, even though there are some today who worship Mary. 
and who bring praise to Mary. Let me just tell you, according to God's word, they are wrong. And I got no problem saying that. People created things are not to be worshipped and are not to be praised. The creator is the one who is to be worshipped and the one to be praised. And Mary shows us that with her own voice. She shows us that with her own voice. So I want to ask you this question when we think about worship. What is the essence of true worship? What is the essence of true worship? Brother Jeff, what is that? Well, what am I doing when I worship? And you're telling me that the only one I'm to worship is God. Well, I love what Pastor Ronald Allen says. He's a theologian and a pastor. Listen to what he says. He says, when we worship God, which is the true essence of worship, worshiping God, when we worship God, we celebrate Him. You want to know what your worship is? It's a celebration. It's a celebration of who God is. Not only that, he says we extol Him. That means we lift up our voices to Him. We lift Him up. We extol Him. We sound His praises and we boast in Him. It is about who He is and what He has done, is doing, and will do. In, in, a, in a very simple way, you say, Brother Jeff, what is worship? What is my worship? It is worshiping God. It is celebrating Him. It is lifting up your voice. It is singing. It is shouting praises to Him. Singing out, right? Making a sound. Dr. Tony Evans says, praise must be audible. That's what he says in his commentary. Praise must be audible. Why? Because it is your voice being lifted out and being lifted up to God. It's about boasting in God, who He is. Not who you are, not what you've done, not what you want to do or are going to do. It's always, always about God, who He is, what He's done, what He is doing, and what He will do. That's worship. That's the true essence of worship. So when we look at this song that Mary sings, what I want you to see today is an act of worship. This is a true worship experience, and we get to be a part of it. So let's look at it. Mary's song, Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Do you see why I see why I said Mary was probably the first one to sing joy to the world? She truly sang joy to the world, right? She said, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute because she just made a declaration that's very important. She, her spirit rejoices in God my Savior for He has. Notice how many times she says He has. For He has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Notice she doesn't say they will praise me and they will worship me. She simply says they will call me blessed. Why? For the mighty one has done. There it is, he has. The mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Not holy is Mary's name. Holy is God's name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has, He has performed 
mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. I want to show you some very important details about Mary and her faith. We know that she was a woman of faith. We know that God had shown her favor. He had poured out grace to her. How has she responded? Well, first of all, when we look at the previous passage, we know that she responded with trust and surrender, okay? We've already established that. She she trusts God and she surrenders to God even though she doesn't understand the plan, right? She knows God has a purpose and His purpose will prevail and she is underneath that purpose. So now let's look at Mary's faith as she continues to grow and let's look at the result of her faith, because I've already given you the main point, right? The Christmas story, what it means to my faith is that it's a firm foundation for my faith, which will result in what? My praise to God. It's what I was created for. So first of all, Mary was humble before God. She was humble before God. Notice that she was not prideful. She did not recognize anything in and of herself that was worthy of praise, that was worthy of worship. As a matter of fact, she said, thank you for looking upon me in my what? Humble estate. In other words, I'm not worthy of your favor. I'm not worthy of your grace. She recognized that. That's called humility. She knew that she was nothing without God's favor, without God's blessing. And she recognized, she did, she recognized that God, because of what you are doing To me and through me, many people will call me blessed. But it won't be because of me. It'll be because of you. It'll be because of what you have done. And so notice, first of all, right, the way Mary praises God is with an attitude of humility, with a posture of humility. That's where praise for God, that's where the true essence of worship starts. We humble ourselves before Him. We recognize that He is God and we're not. We recognize that He deserves all credit, all glory, all honor, and all praise, and we don't deserve any of it. That's how it starts. So she was humble. And and so then, watch this. In her humility, Mary focused on three elements, three characteristics of God, three traits, three truths of God. In her humility, Mary focused on God's holiness, God's mercy, and yes, God's judgment. The song that we call Mary's song, in the Latin, the word is magnificat. Magnificat, which means magnifies. So really and truly, right, what this is, is Mary magnifying the truth to God and the truth of God and the truth for God, right? Mary was not magnifying herself. She was magnifying God. She was magnifying who God is, what God has done, is doing, and will do. And it started with her humility. And notice in this song, right, I told you to look at it. How many times did Mary say, he has, right? Nearly ten times. 
nearly 10 times, she says, he has, he has, he has. Let me ask you this. How many times did Mary say, I have? Look at it. Say it again. None. Nowhere in there does Mary say, I have. Look at what I've done, right? Look at me. She don't do that. All she says is, he has, he has, he has. Her focus is on God. Her focus is on who God is and what God has done. And I love this because Dr. David Jeremiah, one of my favorite preachers, I love this, right? Listen to what he says. Even Mary recognized herself as a humble human in need of a Savior. Think about that for just a minute, right? There are those who worship Mary. There are those who sing praises to Mary as if she's perfect and sinless. Let me tell you something. With her own mouth, with her own mouth in her own joy to the world song, she tells us that she needed what? A Savior. You know what she recognized about herself? She recognized, it. She recognized her own sinfulness. She recognized that she could not be right with God without God doing something, and God was. God was giving himself. God was sending his son, Emmanuel, God with us through Mary. So Dr. David Jeremiah says, even Mary recognized herself as a humble human in need of a Savior. She was not divine, nor did she believe herself to be divine. She simply was divinely blessed. She was divinely blessed. That's beautiful. And in her humility, she recognizes these three characteristics or these three truths of God. Number one, she recognized God's holiness, right? She said, your name is holy. Mounts' dictionary describes holiness this way. God is totally good and entirely without evil. He is separate from sinful humankind because of his transcendent holiness. God is holy. God is holy, and she recognized his holiness. Not only that, she recognized the mercy of God. Look at what she said. She said, your mercy extends to those who fear him. She goes on, and she says, God, it's through your mercy that you fill the hungry with good things. It is through your mercy, God, that you helped your servant Israel. It was because of his holiness, and it was because of his mercy that she also recognized his judgment. Do do you know what the world wants us to to do today as a church? Do you know this? The world wants us to tell them that God loves them. The world wants us to tell them, you, you may think I'm wrong, but that's what the world, the world wants us to talk about God's love all day long. You know what the world does not want us to talk about? Sin, justice, judgment, wrath. The world don't want us talking about none of that. The world wants us to say, oh, God loves you, you, you just be who you want to be. You just do what you want to do. God loves you. Let me just tell you something. A half-truth is a whole lie. Do you hear me? I hope you do. A half-truth is a whole lie. Any preacher or any church that sits up and picks and chooses which passages of the Bible they want to preach because they think this passage over here might offend somebody, they're lying. I will preach Genesis to Revelation every book, every chapter, and every verse. And I will say that God has the final say, always. And there's nothing I can say or do to change any word in this Bible. How dare a government 
Or how dare anybody say, well, let's take that verse out. Or let's change that word to this word because we want to make sure those people feel love. Let me just tell you something. God does love the world. John 3.16, the greatest Christmas verse in the Bible. For God so loved, what? The world that he gave. His one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God doesn't want you to face his wrath. God doesn't want to pour out judgment on you. He's already poured out wrath and judgment on Jesus. What God wants for you to do is recognize him as almighty. What God wants you and I to do is to understand his holiness and understand his mercy and receive his grace so that we don't have to face his wrath and his judgment. Jesus took it all. He took it all so you and I won't have to. That's what the Christmas story means to me. That's a firm foundation for my faith. And you know what my response is going to be? I'm going to praise God all day long, every day, for the rest of my life on this earth. And guess what? I'm going to praise God with every breath in me for the rest of my life and eternity too. Because guess what? I'm going to spend eternity with Him. Not because of what I've done, but because He has. He has. He has. He has. How many times did Mary say that? He has. She understood, right? Now she's understanding God's purpose. She may not understand the plan and how it comes about, but she's understanding His purpose. You want to know why? Because she knew the Scriptures. You say, Brother Jeff, how do you know she knew the Scriptures? Well, you want to look at it with me? Verses 54 and 55. He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Oh, yeah. She, she knew the prophecies. She knew the Old Testament. She knew the stories of Abraham. She knew the stories of Moses. Oh, yeah, she knew it. And guess what? She was understanding the fulfillment of it, too. You want to know why? Because that baby's heart was beating in her womb. Oh, yeah. That's where that praise comes from. Mary's humility, right? Her humility helped her voice, right? Her humility helped her voice what the Holy Spirit of God was showing her in her own spirit about who Almighty God was and the grace and the favor He was showing her. And not only that, in her humility, Mary worshipped God. How did she worship God? In two ways. She worshipped God by giving Him glory and by giving Him praise. (laughs) As we can hear in the song, Mary had acknowledged the Scriptures. She recognized the fulfillment of God's promise. And this is why it says, my soul glorifies who? The Lord. Glorifies the Lord. She understood that her purpose was to give God glory. My soul glorifies the Lord. This is why her spirit, and she says right here, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She had joy. Listen to me. I told you this last week. Do you understand What they could have done to Mary when they found out that she was pregnant? Well, listen, she stayed with Elizabeth. When she went back, most theologians, most biblical scholars believe this young girl was showing physically. She was showing physically that she was pregnant. And do you understand what she understood? She knew what had happened and what could very well happen to her. If God's not in it, you know what could happen? She could have been stoned to death. Yeah. She could have been stoned to death. 
But she didn't believe that. You want to know why? Because God said, you will give birth to a son. And you will call him Jesus, which means he will save his people from their sins. That's why Mary said, my soul rejoices, right? I have joy. She's singing joy to the world. I love that. This is why she praises God. You say, Brother Jeff, what does that mean? Well, I've told you earlier, but I'll tell you again. She boasts with her voice the words from her heart. She boasts with her voice the words from her heart. Who God is, what He's done, what He is doing, and what He's going to keep doing. She exalts the name of God. In the New Testament, I find this very interesting. You know, in the Old Testament, the New Testament, there are Hebrew words and Greek words used for praise. And I'm going to tell you something. There's a bunch of them. If you ever study the Hebrew and the Greek, they use a lot of words for our one word praise. But I found this very interesting. Because in the New Testament, the Greek word for praise is the word yada. And the core meaning of the word yada is to give thanks. To give thanks. And that is what Mary was doing. She glorified God by raising her voice to Him and she praised God by saying, thank you. Thank you. She gave thanks to God. This is Mary's song. This is Mary's prayer. And you want to know what else? This was Mary's offering. This was her offering to God. I know many times when we talk about offering, we think about financial. We think, oh, I'll give 10%, right? We call it a tithe. Or I'll give whatever God's laid on my heart. This is my offering. Did you know that there's more to an offering than money? There's something more important than your money. It's your heart. That's the most important offering you can give God is your heart. Because let me tell you this. If God's got all of your heart, He's going to have everything else. He's going to have everything else. He's going to have your time. He's going to have your resources. He's going to have your talents. Mary poured out a song. She poured out a prayer. But she poured out an offering to God. I'm going to ask you this question again, and I'm going to answer it again. I think you already know it because I've said it twice, but I'm going to say it three times just in case. What does the Christmas story mean to my faith today? What does Mary's song, what does Mary's song of worship and praise, what does that mean to me right now? In Start, Louisiana, on December 10th at 11, 1130, what does it mean, Brother Jeff? Here it is, and I'll say it again. The Christmas story is a firm foundation for my faith. And my faith, if I'm truly worshiping God, my faith should result in praise being poured out to Him and to Him alone. If you want to know if God's got your heart, ask yourself this question. Who's getting glory from my life? Who's getting the praise from my life? If you want to know, am I worshiping God, answer that question. Well, who's getting the glory? And who am, I, who am I praising? What am I praising? See, when we take this time during the Christmas season and we focus on God, we focus on who God is to us right here, right now. We focus on what God has done for us, what God continues to do for us, and what God promises us He will do. We can't help but shout out praise to Him. Amen? We should. 
How many, how many of you have been to a ball game before of your favorite team? How many of you got grandkids that play ball and you go to their games? How many of you yell at your grandkids? Let me, let me, let me go back, not yell at. How many of you yell for your grandkids? Okay. Because, see, I do both. Not grandkids because I don't have any yet, but I yell at your grandkids. How many of you, when your favorite team, right, you throw your hands up, right? Your favorite team, yes! Last night, our LSU boy, Jaden Daniels, won the Heisman. And you can ask Marty, right? I was actually at my table, and I was doing some stuff at the table, and I, I was kind of watching that and listening to it, but when the, final, when the final guy got up there and said, okay, let's tell you who won it, ask Marty. You can ask her what I did. I got up, I got as close to that TV as I could, right? And when they said, Jaden Daniels, I threw my hands up and said, yes! Like I celebrated, like, man. Because I like that kid. I like the way he plays. I like his attitude, right? And for just a second, I celebrated him. I celebrated his accomplishment. And here... Here's what happens if we're not careful, right? That will become our way of life. We'll begin celebrating created things, our own family. We'll begin to praise them. And that celebration and that praise, if we're not careful, we'll turn into worship. You want to know how I know this? Because look at how much of their time, look at how much of our time we give them. Look at how much of our money we give them. Look at how much of our resources we give them. And then we go to church on Sunday morning and go, God, let me give you this. And we walk out and we feel good about that hour and a half or two hours we gave God. But we've given our worship and praise to anything and everything else all week long. I'm guilty too. I'm not, I don't have any rocks in my pocket, I promise you. I ain't got none hidden on stage up here anywhere. If I did, I wouldn't throw them at you because I want to preach to you again one day. I, I'm just saying, the only one worthy of our praise and our worship, our true praise and our true worship is God. Can we get excited for our kids and grandkids? Absolutely. Can we clap for them? Absolutely. Can we hug them? Can we celebrate accomplishments? Absolutely. But we should not worship them or their accomplishments. Just like you shouldn't worship me or my accomplishments when I do something. We should worship God and God alone. We recognize that God is the one who is holy. We recognize that God is the one who has shown and given mercy and grace. And we also recognize that God is the only one who can judge. And He will. We recognize that we haven't earned or deserve anything from God. What we do is we continue to say, He has, He has, He has. I underline that in my Bible. He has, He has, He has, He has. And I said, God, let my song be like hers. Let my praise be like hers. Where I say, You have, You have, You have, You have. Don't let it be about me. Let my song, let my prayer, let my offering be about You, God. Because as Mary said, He's the one who will rescue. He's the one who will redeem. He is the one who will save us all. So let the Christmas story 
Let this passage of Scripture be a launching pad today. Let it be a launching pad for your faith and give God all of the praise and all of the glory that He deserves and let it be from your heart and with your mouth. Amen? Let it be from your heart and with your mouth. Do it anywhere and everywhere you can. Let the world know who God is, what He has done, what He continues to do, and what He will do. Amen.